Hi, and welcome to While She Naps, a show about sewing stuffed animals and running a handmade business. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I'm really excited about today's show because we'll be talking about one of the most challenging parts of having a niche blog, monetization. Blogging is wonderfully fun and brings all kinds of rewards in and of itself, like making connections with like-minded people all over the world and getting your ideas into the public eye. But creating and maintaining a great blog is also really time-consuming. Coming up with fresh content several times each week, writing posts, taking attractive photos and editing them, and then responding to comments can become an all-consuming job pretty quickly. If it's a job you love and you're good at it, that's awesome. But no matter how much you love your job, you probably want to get paid to do it. And that's where today's guest comes in. Today, I'm talking with Bjork Ostrom. Bjork and his wife, Lindsay, have a beautiful food blog called Pinch of Yum. Most posts on Pinch of Yum are easy to follow delicious recipes. But Lindsay and Bjork are also interested in showing how to make an income from blogging and helping others do the same. Once a month, Bjork writes a post on Pinch of Yum in which he explains in detail how much money the blog has made that month, where that money came from, and what he and Lindsay are working on to make the blog even more successful. These posts are the most honest income reports I've ever seen on a blog. Go check them out if you haven't seen them yourself. You'll be amazed. I'm so happy to have Bjork as my guest today to talk more about Pinch of Yum and monetizing a blog. Welcome to the show, Bjork. Hey, Abby. Thanks a lot. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. So you've got several different income sources going for Pinch of Yum, and I want to talk about each of them in depth. but. First, let's talk about your monthly income reports. You started these in September of 2011, and that first month the blog made $21.97. And here we are two years later, you're still writing them, and the most recent report shows that Pinterpion made $8,673.27 this June. That's quite a leap. Yeah, yeah, it was a really fun post to put together. And actually, in the most recent post, um, I was doing some reflecting kind of on that first post where we um, looked back at kind of the difference between those. And something that we started doing maybe um, a year into the, the income reports was um, we, we switched from um, reporting kind of gross income to net. So uh, that first month, realistically, it probably would have been negative if we also would have had the expenses. So it's really fun to see that, um, that grow throughout, throughout the years. So it's, it's been quite the jump. And uh, sometimes when Lindsay and I put those together, we're a little bit surprised actually at how, how far along we've come. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, do you, how much of it do you think, um, and we could talk about this more later, but yeah. how much of it do you think um, having those monthly posts to write were motivating to you to sort of get in there and make things work better? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a I think that's a huge takeaway, and I think that's really observant of you. I think that anything in life where you're consistently checking in on how you're doing, whether it's um, uh, uh, an income or um, exercise and keeping track of calories, or 
anything like that, I think that the more that you are able to keep track of goals and um, and consistently report back with concrete numbers, um, that the outcome is going to be better. And I know for us that if we didn't have these monthly income reports and traffic reports that we were doing, um, I don't think that the growth would have been um, as much as we've seen. So that's been a huge impact uh, on our blog is having these consistent monthly reports where we know each month we're going to be coming back and we're going to be saying to people, here's the hard facts on the numbers, um, here's what we did to improve, and here's what didn't work and what we're going to stop doing. So I think it has a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it's important to be clear about two things. First, the content that Lindsay is creating for Pinch of Yum is really high quality. The posts are frequent. They're well written, mm -hmm. the photography's gorgeous, the recipes yeah. really work. And second, Pinch of Yum has pretty impressive web traffic. So you post in these um, updates screenshots from your Google Analytics page, which in and of itself I think is really amazing. And you're getting traffic, I mean this month it looked like 478,000 or more visits each month. And I think, you know, that's pretty astounding. So. I think um, if you want to talk just a little bit about the need for consistent, high-quality content to create that kind of traffic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing that um, if you've been in the blogging world a while, they, you've heard that before, that um, kind of the mantra, content is king. And I think that's really true. Uh, and I think it, in reality, it's a lot harder uh, than people maybe think it is. And it takes a ton of time. And one of the things that... I hope that people uh, realize when they when they uh, come to the blog is that it's it's not something that's just done really quickly. I think one of the things that for both Lindsay and I that we want to be sure to communicate um, as we are talking about kind of the business of blogging is that it's not something that is um, that you can spend three hours a week doing if you want to do it uh, and create an income from it. Um, and I think that uh, if you do want to create that income, what you have to do is you have to spend a ton of time producing that content that's really high quality. And that's something that Lindsay um, really excels at. Um, she'll take time to really perfect a recipe. And then after that, um, she'll take time to take the pictures. And then after that, she'll go in and she'll edit them. And then after that, she'll go in and she'll write the post. So it's a really a long process. And I think the hard thing a lot of times with a blog or a website is that it's an extended amount of really good content that you are creating for a long time without any uh, maybe positive or interaction at all in the beginning stages. So especially with those first um, six months, a lot of times it can seem like nobody's coming other than, uh, you know, maybe your mom and uh, a significant other and those are kind of the only people checking in and it feels like, where is everybody? I'm taking all this time producing this content and spending all this time. Um, trying to create this um, these awesome blog posts and nobody's showing up and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of times with blogs or with websites people will start and it will kind of fall off um, because it's so discouraging to get into it and work so hard and not have that interaction but I think it really takes a year to sometimes three years to get to that point where that quality content pays off but absolutely I think it's something that's really vital if it's something that you want to do um, as an income creation tool or as a career um, you really have to commit to that quality content. Absolutely, that's completely true. I mean I've been blogging for over eight years now and it is only recently that my blog started to make money even yeah. you know in and of itself. I've 
sort of made money from other things that have been related to the blog, but the blog itself, it really needed to grow for a long, long time before mm -hmm. it was ready. Right, right. I was just having uh, lunch earlier today with a, another friend who's an entrepreneur and has started some websites, and we were talking about the success of Pinterest. And, and a lot of times it can seem like, man, these things are overnight success stories, and they create them, and then all of a sudden everybody flocks to them, and, and everybody loves it, and uh, fireworks are going off. And, but really, you know, with sites like Pinterest, they had lots of time where they were developing and, and testing, and, and a lot of times with a blog or a website, you have to pivot a little bit, like maybe the your your target market or your niche isn't exactly right so you have to kind of adjust and I think a lot of times overnight success stories um, are in all reality um, you know years and years in the making so and I know um, for Lindsay and I and for Pinch of Yam and the sites that we've worked on that's true as well where there's been a lot of time and energy and um, work put into it so Absolutely. That's really important. So, all right, let's talk about each of your income streams in a yeah. little more depth. So first, ad revenue. What kinds of ads do you run and what ad services do you use? Yeah, so when we were first getting into um, the monetization um, stuff, I was just kind of trying to wrap my head all around it. Like, what is this? what's CPM? What's CPC? What types of ads should I run? What is an ad network? And we, uh, as an example of pivoting and changing, we first started out um, with a, a, a food advertising network that didn't work out. And so we said, hey, let's try Google AdSense. So we put that on, and that seemed to be going pretty well. And then we heard about BlogHer. So we signed up for BlogHer, and we started to show some BlogHer ads on our website. And that seemed to be going a little bit better. Um, and so we've stuck with Blogger. That's kind of our main advertising network that we use. Um, and then we also use kind of secondary ad networks with um, Federated Media, Legit, and then Google AdSense kind of as a, as a backfill. So when there are ads on the site that um, aren't able to be filled by some of those other advertising networks, we will have Google AdSense show up um, just so we don't have you know, a blank ad showing. So those are the three that we're using right now and the three that have worked best for us. That's not saying there aren't other ones that work really well, but uh, for us, we've found those three to work really well. Okay, and so are there types of advertising that you've rejected because they will compromise the content or the look of Pinch of Yum? Yeah, can you say that again? You cut out there. Oh, I'm sorry. So are, no, there, right. are there types of advertising that you've rejected because they will compromise the content or the look of Pinch of Yum? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, I can think of one specific case where um, we were negotiating with a company um, about possibly putting some ads on Pinch of Yum, and we had negotiated, it was a company in California, I don't remember the name of it, but um, we had negotiated um, what, what was a pretty good CPM rate, I think it was like $3.00. So CPM, for those that aren't familiar, means it's impression-based. So every time an ad is shown, that's an impression. And um, a thousand times would equal a CPM. So essentially, if it was $3 CPMs, uh, $3 CPM, that would mean that every 1,000 times that ad was shown, you'd get $3. So, um, and that fluctuates depending on the type of blog and, and what kind of website you're using. Uh, but for us, that was a pretty good rate. And so we were really excited to get these ads up and running. And then they sent us the ad code for it. And it was like, uh, like Dr. Oz, uh, you know, um, like shake remedy, 
uh, weight loss formula stuff. And then you click on the ad and it would take you to this like really deceptive page where it was really hard to click out of it. And it was one of those websites where like you click out of the window and then a pop-up comes up and, and then you have to click like cancel and then another one comes up. And, and so it was really spammy ads. Um, and although it would have been really nice to have a, a pretty solid and consistent CPM for those, that was an example of a time where we were like, uh, this is going to be something that will really degrade the quality of the website. And, and more than anything, I think it would uh, be a type of ad that people would really lose trust in. And, and when they, they do see an ad in the future, they'd think, mm, maybe this isn't an ad that I want to click on, or maybe it's not a company that it's, that's reputable just because of the previous experience they would have had with these um, kind of spammy ads. So yeah, that's an example that I can think of um, of an ad that we were like, uh, not interested in that. Right, right. And I think that trust is really important. Absolutely, yep. Um, okay, so um, tell me about the community you and Lindsay have created called Food Blogger Pro, because I think it's a model that other bloggers could really emulate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that Lindsay and I found as we started to do these um, kind of reports on the business of blogging um, each month where we talked about traffic and income work was we, we had a lot of emails and we had a lot of messages from people that said, hey, how do you get you know more traffic to your site, for instance? Um, or there'd be questions like, how do you uh, set up your blog and use WordPress? And those are like really, really big questions that take a lot of time um, to really understand, like years to really wrap your head around those. Um, and, you know, we would kind of try and answer them in an email, uh, but we just really couldn't get at the core of what we needed to teach. And we had enough of those emails where we thought maybe it would work for us to roll this into something where we can really take the time and energy we need to put into this um, to put into these answers, but in return, uh, we can have it be a business. And it's sustainable in the sense that we are able to put video-based courses, um, and people can come and they can sign up for those, and they address questions like, how do you get more traffic to your blog? And how do you take better food photos? Um, or how do you set up WordPress? Which are those big uh, questions. And they can be a member and go through these video courses, these video tutorials, and then whenever they they want to stop, they can just cancel their membership and then continue on their way. So for us, it was a solution to a problem that we saw consistently come up, and uh, we didn't see a really good answer out there um, in terms of uh, sites that were specific to the food blog space. So it's a really niche site, uh, but one thing that we found is there's a lot of people that are interested in, in having a food blog, and I'm sure that you found that too with uh, the world of um, creative people in the craft industry where you kind of think maybe it's a really small niche, but then you find out there's thousands and thousands of people who are really talented and really passionate about kind of this cool niche um, with crafts and with, uh, you know, maybe it's somebody who's really into hand making uh, or is becoming interested in, in making uh, handmade dolls. And they don't know where to look for it. Um, and so that's kind of the equivalent for us is this Food Blogger Pro site where we're reaching out to that specific niche. Right, so for $25 a month, they get access to the whole library of videos that you've put together, and there's a community aspect where people can ask questions to one another and 
figure out basically how to get up and running with a not just any food blog, but a really good food blog. Yeah, yeah, and the community aspect was big as well because when we were, when Lindsay was first getting started out, we would have conversations like, "How do these people like? How do these people in these niches connect? Like, where does that happen?" And I think the answer is in many different places. It's on social media platforms and it's in person. But I think with Food Blogger Pro, one of the things that it does is it offers this really clear cut way for people to connect and interact. And then also ask questions. And I think that when it comes down to it, one of the things that we're all looking for in some sense is a space where we can connect with people that have similar interests and um, share ideas and share problems and, and, and get answers. And the community forum is a place for that. So yeah. Absolutely. And when you have a blog and you're sort of a professional, I put that in quotes, blogger, where you're really yep. you know, coming across as an expert in your niche then it can be hard at times to say, well, I don't really understand, you know, how to, how to work this aspect of it or, you know, I don't really know what I need to do next. And, um, right. and this gives you sort of a, a private place to be open about some of your, you know, the things that you may not know about and get answers for, from people who will know. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And I think that one of the things that can be frustrating in that stage too is like sometimes it seems like, I don't know the answers, and it seems like everybody else does. Like there's kind of this m mystery around it, where it's like, man, you go to these blogs, and it, it seems as if everybody just kind of magically knows how to do this. And calling back to what we said earlier, a lot of the times it's because they've put in, you know, years and years of making mistakes and and, and screwing up, and then and then learning how to course correct and do it a little bit better. So our hope with this site is that we kind of provide the answers that we didn't have when we were first getting started um, and hopefully avoid uh, or offer an opportunity for people to avoid some of those mistakes that we made as we were getting started. Right. I think that's terrific. So, all right. So you have an ebook for sale as well called Tasty Food Photography that just got a really nice update. So tell me more yeah. about how that fits into your monetization plan. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, a couple of years ago, um, maybe a little bit less than that, Lindsay and I were talking about kind of some of the different possibilities for creating a product, which I think is one of the most, um, I think for bloggers, it's one of the smartest things that they can do is they can create their own product. And a product doesn't have to be literally something that's a tangible thing. Uh, it can be a course or an ebook like we have or um, you know, maybe it's um, an Etsy store. I just think that's a really smart way to go. So we were thinking, what are the things that we can do for Pinch of Yum um, to have a product? And the first thing that we thought of was naturally a cookbook, right? Uh, Pinch of Yum is a food blog, and it seems uh, most aligned with the content that that is currently on the blog to just create a cookbook. Uh, but as we thought about it a little bit more, we thought, realistically, uh, the the recipes and the things that we were offering on Pinch of Yum um, aren't necessarily things that people would purchase in a digital um, medium. I think that um, people do, and I think that there's a space for that, but we thought that there would be more of an opportunity to have some type of informational product, something that is uh, some, something that people are maybe a little bit more uh, hungry for. Sorry to use a pun that is that closely aligned, <laughs> but uh, it was content that I think that people would be more willing to pay for and more appreciative of once they had it. Um, and so we decided to do a food photography ebook. Um, and the process for it was it was a lot of work, and that was it was ninety. 
8% of Lindsay sitting down and really working through it and 2% of me occasionally jumping in and, you know, maybe reading through and doing light edits and then doing some of the technical stuff. But Lindsay spent a lot of time and energy getting the pictures and writing the content for it. But after that, the system for it is is really pretty slick. And it's it's been, um, for the most part, pretty hands-off, which is one of the most exciting things about a digital product like that. Um, so for us, we found it to be a really um, great first step. It was a really um, it was a really smart step for us. We feel like looking back um, in terms of our first product, just in that it was so approachable that it wasn't too big of a product to jump into. Absolutely, and um, you just had a, a really nice sort of content marketing piece on the on the blog this maybe this past week about. Um, sort of handy things you already have yeah. around the house that you can use, like um, an old kind of beat up baking sheet makes a great yeah. backdrop for um, a picture of a, a plate of food, for example. And, you know, that was such an expert post, and those tips were things I could use right away, whether I take pictures yep. of food or of other things um, from my own blog. And it really gives readers kind of a sense of trust, like, hey, this is a, a beautiful blog post, it's well written, and it's really useful, and this person right. really knows what they're talking about. If I spend $19 on this, um, you know, 45 plus page um, ebook, I'm going to get some content here that I can't get elsewhere that is going to, you know, hugely improve my business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, that's a really great observation. And I think it's um, something that's been fun to do and to think about. And that was all that was all, that entire post was Lindsay's brainchild. So I can't take any credit for that. Uh, but I think what's cool about it is how when you have a product, or when you have something that you are selling, um, it's fun to be able to continually share content around that that is also valuable. Um, and I think that it provides an opportunity for people to come to your blog and to get something from it. It's not like it's just a sales page. Um, and then also they have the opportunity, if they want, to kind of take the next step and learn a little bit more if they'd be interested in purchasing the book. Oh, totally. I was I was fully convinced by that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. So, all right, so let's touch on any other sources of revenue that we haven't already spoken about. Yeah, yep. Um, one of the big uh, sources of income or one of the main sources of income for Pinch of Yum is affiliate marketing. And affiliate marketing is this um, really interesting space online and it's kind of in its infancy when compared to other types of uh, online income. Um, and it was really uh, started, uh, not, I don't know if it was started, but um, the most well-known affiliate site is Amazon. And the Amazon program is one of the most well-known programs that offers um, the chance for people to be affiliates. And what affiliate marketing is, is it, uh, you will get a link from a company or um, a certain website that has a product. And, and you take that link and it has a unique um, identifier on the end. So an example might be, you know, it might be www.example.com slash XYZ248 or something, where that is just your identifier. And what can happen then is you can use that link on your blog and the company tracks any traffic that you send to their website. And if anybody that you send to their website ends up purchasing one of their products, then you get a percentage from it. Um, and for us, that's been something that we've been able to create a decent amount of income from by advertising certain products um, on our blog. And an example is we have a 
page on, on Pinch of Yum that's called How to Start a Food Blog. And it's kind of the very basic three-step process for going from nothing to going from a page where you have WordPress installed. And obviously there's a lot more that goes into it, but it's just kind of that initial three-step process for people. And uh, we have links in there for a hosting company called Bluehost. And there are you know hundreds of hosting companies out there, but that's the one that we used to get started. And we really liked it and it was an easy process. And if anybody clicks on that link and they end up going and purchasing hosting from Bluehost, then um, Pinch of Yum or Lindsay and I will get a percentage of that purchase price. So that's another um, big part of affiliate marketing. So we really look at it as three different types of income from Pinch of Yum. It's the traditional advertising, um, it's the affiliate marketing, and then it's the products. And the products for us are the ebook and then also Food Blogger Pro. So it's kind of a, the trifecta. Absolutely. And having those multiple strands is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice to know that there's diversified income. And an example is, um, I was talking previously about the Amazon affiliate program. And uh, just recently, Amazon announced that anybody that lives in Minnesota, which is where Lindsay and I are from, is no longer eligible to be part of the Amazon affiliate program. And that's true with a few other states as well because of some laws that they've um, implemented around sales tax. And, um, and so if we had put all our eggs in that basket, suddenly they would be, would be gone you know, within two weeks. So yeah. it's been nice for us. It's a little bit easier to sleep at night knowing that you know, if something happens like that with one of the larger streams of income for us, then it's not going to be a total crash and burn. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's similar to sort of not just building your business on Facebook, for example, or using some sort of, you know, one singular yep. platform that could easily, cha they could change their rules like they did on Amazon or they could disappear altogether and then, you know, you're really out of luck. So having right. diversity is great both because you never know which one's going to really grow, um, but it's also great because if one of them shrinks or disappears entirely, you're still okay. Yeah, and I think that's an I think that's an awesome point. What you said, it's not just about diversifying for like safety against something going away, but it's also important, I think, to continually test and experiment because you never know when something that you try out is going to be a huge success. And I think that you know I I fall victim to this, and I think people in general do, where you kind of get in a routine and you think, well, this is the only way it is. You know, the only way is maybe Google AdSense. And so people just use Google AdSense on their blog, but there's really, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different ways out there for people to um, take their blog to the next level and create an income in creative ways. And especially when it's people uh, like in your audience that are people that are creative in general, the things that they're doing require them to be creative. And so it's just kind of using that creative power or those creative juices in a different way. So they kind of transfer it over and think about what are the different ways I can use that creative part of my brain to think of different ways to create an income from my blog. Right, which loops me back to um, these monthly income reports that you produce. One of the things that I admire about them is you're very open about your experiments. And some of your experiments are sort of major, but some of them are really minor, like changing mm -hmm. the color of buttons from purple to a different color. Um, right. So <laughs> tell us about that minute experiment um, and sort of what your thinking was behind it, just because I think it's it's an example of really 
thinking critically about what you have and how your customers are interacting, how your readers are interacting, and, um, and how a, a minor shift can actually have a greater impact than you might think. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is just how people interact with websites. And um, I think that it's it's something that we don't necessarily think about just because it's such a mind, mind off process where or usually we go to a website and we just kind of go through it and we interact with it and we just kind of use it however it feels natural. But it's interesting for me to kind of take the um, opposite stance and think about what if I was watching, what if I wasn't the person, but what if I was watching somebody interact with a website and how would they use it and what are the ways that maybe this is not leading them in the right way or in the way that I hope that they would use it uh, for a certain page. Uh, and the example that you referenced was some of the links that we had. Um, PinchFVM recently had a redesign. Um, this was maybe March or April. And we were really excited about it. And Shea Box, who is a designer that um, does multiple different types of blogs, did just an awesome job with it. And we really highly recommend her to anybody else. Um, one of the things that, that I noticed with the redesign was that the links, as they should have been, were the same color as kind of the branding. But as we looked into it, uh, we noticed that that might be a potential um, area for improvement because the purple was such a, a dark purple and it almost appeared to be bold. And when you have links, in general, you're going to want those to stand out so people know, hey, this is a link. And that's especially important when you're doing something like affiliate marketing where those links point to a page where somebody might purchase something and then you would create income from that. So one of the things that we found and one of the things that we changed was um, the link color. Um, and we changed that from that deep purple to kind of a light blue. And we also added an underline underneath those. So if you click into a post on Pinch of Yum, you'll see that any of the links are this light blue underlined color. And we found that that had a positive impact on the number of people that actually clicked on it, which was great. That's so fascinating. Um, yeah. That, you know, it makes me want to um, have someone come over and click through my blog and yeah. let me watch them do it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually think even I could have my neighbor come over. Yep. And, um, and that might be a really fantastic thing. So... What a great idea. Yeah, yeah. there's actually a software available, um, and it's called ClickTail. Um, tail is in like story, so TL, T Where on your website, and I've used this um, for a few different websites, and we use it for Pinch of Yum for a while. We don't have it on there right now. but um, And you can observe like how people interact with your website. So it'll literally, literally be like a video of the people interacting. You know, obviously it's not like them. Like it's not going to hijack their camera and do a live stream of them or something. But, but it shows where they click, and it shows how far they scroll. And one of the things that I found with that was um, that it showed me that I'm not the only person, like, I'm not my target market <laughs> because when I go to a website that especially one that I've had um, influence in creating I know how to use it but so and, and I've spent a lot of time with it but so often there are people that are coming that have no experience with it and this this software is helpful um, especially if you're trying to kind of figure that stuff out because what it does is it offers you an opportunity to look at how people interact with your website that have never interacted with it before so I found that to be a 
helpful tool when I'm kind of in that space of trying to figure out how people are interacting with the website. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And, you know, you you become such an expert on what you're doing and it's very difficult to get the perspective of a novice or of a new, exactly. of a new visitor. And I think... Yeah. But that's so extremely valuable because those are people who become potential loyal readers, potential yep. um, customers in the future. And so that's who the site is for. It's not for you, you know, it's right. for them. Yep. Uh, and so their experience needs to be the best it can possibly be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so what has been the reaction um, among your readers in seeing such minute detail exactly how much income? pinch of yum is generating yeah so I think that um, one of the things that that I'm constantly fighting just in life in general and I think with these as well is like that fear of like oh what will people think of me and I think that um, whether it's re reporting a small amount like you know twenty dollars or as we started to have more success there's still that question of like oh what will people think of me or what if it doesn't go up this month? Like, what if, you know, we go down to half the amount? Um, so I think that's something internally that I've had to continually push through in order to um, continue to do what we're doing. And I know that um, the same is true for Lindsay. We have conversations around, like, how can we continue to be creative and to um, not not become so concerned with what other people think? Um, and I think one of the ways that we have worked through that um, and one of the ways that I've worked through that is is continually doing it so um, when you are kind of faced with that hesitation or that fear to take that next step and say well let's just you know write the post and then it's let's you know press publish and then it's let's send a tweet out about it and let people know so I think that's that that's one of the things that we've moved through and kind of facing any of the fears that we might have um, and as we've done that we've realized that people are in general really nice <laughs> and I think sometimes I fear that we would publish something and everybody would have these negative things that they would say and they would come back with mean remarks and that happens sometimes um, but what we found for the most part is we found people to be really appreciative and to be really kind and um, it's been really encouraging for us to have those interactions and we've really appreciated um, the people that we've got to know because of the different things that we're doing in this space. And I think, um, I think part, sorry to interject, but I think part of it is because it's not done in a boastful way. So in other sure. words, you're not coming on and saying, hey, we made $8,000 this month and if you you know, add that up, you'll see we're like raking it in. You know, it's not done that way. It's done in the opposite sort of way of you know, here are some useful things that we have tried to analyze and here's what our analysis looks like and how we tweaked it and how that didn't work and so we tweaked it again. It's very humble and it's sure. also helpful. Oh, well, I appreciate it. And I think one of the things that we know is that in a, you know, in one day all of that could change. So I think that our hope is to as best we can continue to stay in the space of like here's what's working, here's what's not, and as much as possible kind of maintain this neutral place because so much of it is in our hands in that it takes hard work and dedication and, and creativity and so much of it is out of our hands. Like some of it is just 
getting lucky and and being in the right space at the right time combined with that aspect of hard work and and dedication and consistency so I appreciate it though that means a lot absolutely well Bjork it's been great having you on the show I really admire what you and Lindsay have created at Pinch of Yum and I appreciate your sharing your expertise with expertise with me thank you so much yeah great Abby and if anybody wants to they can drop me an email anytime if they have any questions or anything like that uh, both Lindsay and I it's just our first name so it's Bjork at pinchofyum.com and Lindsay with an A so L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at pinchofyum.com and we'll do our best to get back to people that's super. So you can find Bjork and Lindsay at pinchofyum.com and the monthly income reports we've been discussing are archived under the income tab on the navigation bar there. And you can find me, Abby Glassenberg, on my blog, walshynaps.com, and I'll see you there. Bye-bye.